Chapter Number Twelve of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April six zero nine zero, California, United States of America. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Twelve. Everybody at Botfield was astonished at the change in Stephen's manner. So cheerful was he and light-hearted as if his brief manhood had passed away with its burden of cares and anxieties and his boyish freedom and gladsomeness had come back again the secret cause remained undiscovered for martha fluent in tongue as she was had enough discretion to keep her own counsel and seal up her lips as close as wax when it was necessary the people puzzled themselves in vain and black thompson left off hinting at revenge at to stephen even the master when the boy passed him with a respectful bow in which there was nothing of resentment or sullenness wondered how he could so soon forget the great injury he had suffered mr wiley would have been better satisfied if the whole family could have been driven out of the neighbourhood but there was no knowing what ugly rumours and inquiries might be set afloat if the boy went telling his tale to nobody knows whom upon the whole martha did not very much regret her change of dwelling though she made a great virtue of her patience in submitting quietly to it to be sure the cinder hill was unsightly and the cabin blackened with smoke and it was necessary to lock little nan and grandfather safely within the house whenever she went out lest they should get to the mouth of the open shaft where stephen often amused the child by throwing stones down it and listening to their rebound against the sides but still martha had near neighbors and until now she had hardly even tasted the luxury of a thorough gossip which she could enjoy in any one of the cottages throughout botfield moreover she could get work for herself on three days in the week to help a washerwoman who gave her ninepence a day besides letting little nan go with her and have as she said the run of her teeth she had her admirers too young collier lads who told her truly enough she was the cleanest neatest tidiest lass in all of botfield so martha fern regarded their residence on the cinder hill with more complacency than could have been expected the only circumstance which in her secret heart she considered a serious drawback was her very near neighbourhood to miss anne stephen said martha one saturday night after their work was done i've been thinking how it's only thee that's trying to keep the commandments i'm not such a scholar as thee but i've heard the chapter read till it's in my head as well as if i could read it off book myself so i'm thinking i ought to love my enemies as well as thee and i've asked black bess to come and have a cup of tea with us to-morrow black bess exclaimed stephen with a feeling of some displeasure ah said martha she's always calling me ashamed to be heard but i've quite forgiven her and to-morrow i'll let her see i can make pikelets as well as her mother and we'll have out the three china cups only grandfather and little nan must have common ones i thought i'd better tell thee and then thee'lt make haste home from church in the afternoon black bess isn't a good friend for thee answered stephen who was better acquainted with the pit girl's character than was martha and felt troubled at the idea of any companionship between them but we are to love our enemies persisted martha and do good to them that hate us at any rate i asked her and she said she'd come i don't think it means we're to ask our enemies to tea 
said Stephen in perplexity. If she was badly off, like, and in want of a meal's meat, it'd be one other thing. I'd do it gladly. And on a Sunday, too. Oh, Martha, it doesn't seem right. Oh, nothing's right that I do, replied Martha pettishly. Thee art afraid I'll get as good as thee, and then thee cannot crow over me. But I'll not spend a farthing of thy money, depend upon it. I'm not without some shillings of my own, I reckon. Thee should let me love my enemies as well as thee, I think. But thee'll want to go up to heaven alone next. Stephen said no more, though Martha continued talking peevishly about Black Bess. She was not at all satisfied in her own mind that she was doing right, but Bess had met her at a neighbor's house, where she was boasting of her skill in making pikelets, and she had drawn out by her sneers and mocking to give her a kind of challenge to come and taste them. She wanted now to make herself and Stephen believe that she was doing it out of love and forgiveness towards poor Bess, but she could not succeed in the deception. All the Sunday morning she was bustling about, and sadly chafing the grandfather by making him move hither and thither out of the way. It was quite a new experience to have any one coming to tea, and all her hospitable and housekeeping feelings were greatly excited by the approaching event. When Stephen, with tired little Nan riding on his shoulder, returned from church in the afternoon, they found Bess had arrived and was sitting in the warmest corner, close to a very large and blazing fire, which filled the cabin with light and heat. Bess had dressed herself up in her best attire, in a bright red stuff gown, and with yellow ribbons tied in her hair, which had been brought to a degree of smoothness, wonderful to Stephen, who saw her daily on the pit-bank. She had washed her face and hands with so much care as to leave broad stripes of grime round her neck and wrists, partly concealed by a necklace and bracelets of glass beads, and her green apron was marvellously berated in a large pattern. Martha, in her clean print dress and white handkerchief, pinned round her throat, was a pleasant contrast to the tawdry girl, who looked wildly at Stephen as he entered, as if she scarcely knew what to do. "'Good evening, Bess,' he said as pleasantly as he could. "'Martha told me thee was coming to eat some pikelets with her, so I've asked him to come too. And after tea we'll have some rare singing. I often hear thee on the bank, Bess, and thee has a good voice.' Bess colored with pleasure, and evidently tried her best to be amiable and well-mannered, sitting up nearer and nearer to the fire, until her face shone as red as her dress with the heat. Martha moved triumphantly about the house, setting the tea-table, upon which she placed the three china cups, with a gratified glance at the undisguised admiration of Bess, though three commons ones had to be laid beside them, for as Tim was coming, Stephen must fare like grandfather and little Nan. As soon as Tim arrived, she was very busy beating up the batter for the pikelets, and then baking them over the fire and very soon the little party was sitting down to their feast. Bess declared politely, between each piece pressed upon her by Martha, that she had never tasted such pikelets, never. At last, when tea was quite finished, and the table carefully lifted back to a safe corner at the foot of the bed, though Martha prudently replaced the china cups in the cupboard, Tim and Stephen drew up their stools to the front of the fire, and a significant glance passed between them. "'Now then, Stevie,' said Tim, Thee learn me the new hymn Miss Anne sings with us, and let's teach Bess to sing it too. Bess looked around uneasily, as if she found herself caught in a trap. But as Tim burst off loudly into a hymn tune, in which Stephen joined at the top of his voice, she had no time to make any objection. Martha and the old grandfather, who had been a capital singer in his day, began to help, 
and little nan mingled her sweet clear childish notes with their stronger tones it was a long hymn and before it was finished bess found herself shyly humming away to the tune almost as if she had been the chorus of one of the pit-bank songs they sang more and more until she joined in boldly and whispered to martha that she wished she knew the words so as to sing with them but the crowning pleasure of the evening was when little nan sitting on stephen's knee with his fingers stroking her curly hair sang by herself a new hymn for little children which miss anne had been teaching her she could not say the words very plainly but her voice was sweet and she looked so lovely with her tiny hands softly folded and her eyes lifted up steadily to stephen's face that at last black bess burst out into a large and long fit of crying and wept so bitterly that none of them could comfort her until the little child herself who had been afraid of her before climbed upon her lap and laid her arms round her neck she looked up then wiped the tears from her face with the corner of her fine apron i had a sister once just like little nan she said with a sob and she minded me of her miss anne told me she was singing somewhere among the angels and i thought she looked like little nan but i'm afraid i shall never go where she is i'm so bad we'll teach thee how to be good answered martha thee come to me bess and i'll teach thee the hymns and the singing and how to make pikelets and keep the house clean on a week day i'm going to love my enemies and do good to them that hate me so don't thee be shy like we'll be friends like stephen and tim and weren't they enemies afore stephen learned to read that night as stephen lay down to sleep he said to himself i'm glad black bess came to eat pikelets with martha my chapter says whoever shall do the commandments and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven perhaps martha and me will be called great in heaven if we teach bess how to do god's commandments end of chapter twelve